the Y'all Show. We're fully charged and coming at you for three hours of conversation about the South. I'm John Rawl. Great to have you aboard. And boy, I am excited to tell you that we are fully charged. If you're an Apple owner like myself, sometimes those darn computers are wonderful, but sometimes they can give you a real fit, especially if you've got a cord that starts acting up. And for the last two days, I had to twist that thing just right to get it to charge, and I had just enough juice to get through the y'all show because I kind of depend on a computer to do this thing. Sorry, I'm not that good. And today I got me a fresh new charging cord. So we're all charged up and coming at you with three hours of Southern conversation. And I thank you so much for wrapping up your week right here with yours truly, General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. We're going to get you a good, good show to wrap up your week. We've got headlines from across the southeast. And in those headlines coming in from across Dixie today, we're going to explain what's going on in terms of a tragedy, tragedy coming from North Carolina as two brothers killed by a train while mourning a third brother. And we'll explain what happened there in North Carolina in that news item. A festival canceled in Gonzales, Louisiana. The Jambalaya Festival canceled because of COVID-19. As we all know, Louisiana this week issued a statewide mandate where you have to wear masks indoors. And on the Y'all Show today, we'll tell you how this very much anticipated festival is canceled now. And you're likely seeing this play out across the southeast, across the country, as the Delta variant is spreading and spreading big time. And so we'll fill you in on some of that goings on. Back to North Carolina today in our headlines. You can get medical marijuana, at least in a portion of North Carolina. you got to go to the Cherokee lands in western North Carolina. That is a new option for some of you if you're available to go there to Cherokee, North Carolina. Also, an epidemic going on with car tags. There evidently is a large number of temporary car tags from the state of texas which are completely bogus and they're being used to commit crimes all over the the country we'll tell you about that on today's y'all show headlines and did you realize this weekend in tennessee it is going to be emancipation day we already had back in june what's called juneteenth now a national holiday well there's something called emancipation day in tennessee And I'm telling you about this today because I found out a really bizarre twist to the way the Civil War in that time period in our country was. I am a Civil War buff. I love that time period. I love American history. But just to help explain how crazy that whole time period in our country was, so you have this event in Tennessee celebrated as Emancipation Day. It was started because of the freedom of Andrew Johnson's slaves in 1863, August 8th, 1863, he set his slaves free. Well, if you know anything about history, that's the guy that ended up being the country's 17th president, taking over after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. He was a United States president. He was a union man. And here he was in the early years of the Civil War, a slave owner, and he was the would become the vice president of the United States. That's just another 
bizarre twist of the way this country's history is. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about, again, Emancipation Day in the state of Tennessee. Also, we'll tell you from Kentucky today how the Nicholasville Police Department there near Lexington has unveiled what they call a cop-sickle truck. And it's cruising the streets and subdivisions of Nicholasville. A feel-good story plus Coca-Cola. They're changing the recipe of a popular drink. And I'll tell you which drink that is. That's part of our headlines today of the Y'all Show. We also here on the Y'all Show Friday edition have a great dose of sports information to pass along. We also will be spotlighting a college football team as we're right now on the 44-city tour, a caravan of college football. And today our stop is Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina, as the NC State Wolfpack are today's spotlight school. And we'll tell you what's going on with the pack as they look to improve their fortunes in the ACC Atlantic Division here in 2021. Dave Dorn is the coach of the NC State Wolfpack football team. I'll tell you some information about him. You'll actually hear the head coach as well as quarterback Devin Leary and the center Grant Gibson all talking recently at ACC Media Days. And you'll get to know a lot more about NC State's 2021 football team when we spotlight them in the next segment. Before the hour is up, we're going to go back to our Monday edition. We're broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe, and when we're here – we have a lot of people having a good meal, having a good discussion. This is the, the perfect southern place to do a southern show. And on Monday, we had some guys passing through the Dixie Cafe that I had come up and join me here on the Y'all Show. And they had quite a story. And so we're going to rewind today in our ICYMI segment in case y'all missed it. And you'll get to hear these Tesla Travelers talking about their journey across several southern states as they went from Nashville to Memphis to Austin to New Orleans. So they also mixed in a little Arkansas and Louisiana and other states along the way. And these Tesla travelers, our special guests, we're going to rewind to Monday and play you a couple of minutes of that interview in what we call I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on sports here this hour so you don't want to miss out on that fun hour number two we're going to get it going with our friday free for y'all and our good friend david lee murphy and party crowd is going to get us going for the weekend there and here when we have our second hour at the end of each week it's really kind of uh what just kind of what i stumbled upon now if you have any suggestions on what we call our Friday free for y'all of what you might want to offer as something that we want to talk about. This is the segment each week of the y'all show that we kind of kind of put music front and center, but we try to tell you a little bit about the artist or the song or the, the justification of why we're having this song played at this spot of our y'all show each week. So today we're hitting the weekend, but we're also in the middle of the Olympics as well, or the Olympics almost wrapped up by now. And that's on my mind. But also, for some reason, George Foreman has been on my mind. The great boxer turned George Foreman grill guy, turned country music co-star. What? 
that's what we're going to do today. Back in 1992 and 1993, George Foreman teamed up with the possum George Jones for I Don't Need Your Rockin' Chair, an incredibly cool music video. And we're going to play the song I Don't Need Your Rockin' Chair in hour number two in honor of George Foreman, the Olympian, and the very successful entrepreneur. And also in honor of George Jones because I have been around a bunch of Joneses. Congratulations to the Jones Chevrolet and Jones Motor Vehicle Company for all that they're doing and had a grand opening at one of their dealerships today. So, And, and their employees had Jones on their shirts. So I saw that and I'm like, okay, Lord, you're trying to tell me that I need to be talking about the Joneses. So we're going to be Jonesing it with George and the other George, George Foreman, in hour number two is part of our Friday Free for Y'all. And it's a great song that if you have a person who might be looking toward that rocking chair one day, you can play this song and it says, I don't need your rocking chair. That's coming up in hour two. Plus, our buddy Craig Faulkner has his latest fishing forecast. And today we're going to be talking about that summer heat And also coyotes, and should we hunt them, and some tricks if you want to get rid of some coyotes, as we got more than our fair share running around the woods of the South. That's coming up hour two. Also, we've got a look at the brand new movies hitting movie theaters this weekend, and there's a big one that has a Southern connection that we'll be telling you about. All that is coming up hour number two. Hour three, more sports updates We'll tell you more about the tradition and famous alumni of North Carolina State University. The Wolfpack are today's latest stop on our tour across the southeast. And then we'll get you out of here with a little from Dixie with love. If you want to connect to us here at the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent, it's pretty easy. All you got to do is pick up the phone and text or call 803 816-1170. That is a number available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 803-816-1170. We also have an email address. Simple for you to go there and email at your convenience. That's M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. And again, we're powered by the homepage of the South. That is y'all.com. Go there and learn and share and just be entertained by all the fun that the South has to offer. And we've got it right there at the homepage of the South. It's Y-A-L-L-Y'all.com. And don't forget, if you miss any portion of this, the Y'all Show powered by Y'all.com, we're available in podcast form. Pretty easy for you to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. I may have said that one already. we got so many, it's kind of hard to keep up. We're on Stitcher, and we're also hot and heavy on Spotify. Just go there, search for Y'all Show, and you'll see our beautiful red and white and black logo saying Y'all Show. All you got to do is look for Y'all Show, and we're right there. It's Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's dive into what's going on headlines-wise across the Southeast today. Two brothers from North Carolina have been killed by a train while mourning at the tracks where a third brother was also killed. What a horrible tragedy coming from the Charlotte area. 
as Charlotte Mecklenburg police officers responding to a report of two pedestrians struck by a Lynx Blue Line light rail train earlier this week. Officers found the two men, 29-year-old Pablo Us and Jose Us, who was 20 years old, unresponsive near the tracks. Medics pronounced both men dead at the scene. The two men had been walking on the tracks around 5 a.m. earlier this week to conduct a memorial for their other brother, Baltazar Us. Now, the 27-year-old died on these same tracks back on July 26th when he reportedly drove across the tracks into the path of an oncoming train. And now, three brothers right there in Charlotte, North Carolina, all killed on this same line, train line, all within a month of each other. What a horrible, horrible scene from downtown Charlotte with the passage of these three. And I don't think any of it was suicide. I think it was all, all in all three cases, accidental. But just an unfortunate headline to start out here on today's Y'all Show. If you're in Gonzales, Louisiana, or you're planning on going down to Gonzales this weekend, they had scheduled the 2021 Jambalaya Festival. Actually, it was not going to be this weekend. It was actually originally scheduled for late August, August 27th through 29th in Gonzales. But it has now been canceled because of the Delta variant of COVID-19 impacting so many in the Pelican State. The executive committee of the Jambalaya Festival Association put out a statement saying that they are sad to announce the cancellation of the Jambalaya Festival in an effort to keep members, cooks, and festival goers safe. They feel this course of action is the correct way to proceed in this matter. Now, plans are already underway to get the Jambalaya Festival of 2022 up and going. And they're looking at a May 27th through 29th event for 2022. I don't know if they had the Jambalaya Festival in 2020, but unfortunately, this is likely going to be a recurring theme across the southeast with a cancellation of a a summer or in some, some cases springtime festivals But right now, with Delta already playing havoc in the state of Louisiana, here is a much, much anticipated event being canceled, and that's the case with the Jambalaya Festival. To Oxford, Mississippi, the family of Dominique Clayton is actually suing for wrongful death of her. She was killed. Now, this story is newsworthy because a black female was shot in the head and murdered by a white cop. Now, that would normally be nonstop breaking news all over the country news, but that's not quite the case in this case from Oxford, Mississippi. Dominique Clayton was a 32-year-old mother of four who was killed by Oxford police officer Matthew Kenny a couple of years ago. Back in 2019, she was killed in the morning of May 19, 2019. Now, he reported there, the officer, a welfare check on Clayton at her home. And in the end, he ended up killing her, shooting her one time in the head with his official Oxford Police Department-issued firearm. Her body was later found by her 8-year-old son. Now, the update on this story is this officer definitely killed the woman. But it's not a national Black Lives Matter type event because this white officer actually was a lover of this black woman. And that's what this whole murder was about. It wasn't an officer-involved shooting. It was a lover-involved shooting of a guy who was on duty, went to the house of this woman, and, and killed her. 
and this is the update here. This officer is in jail, and he has been sentenced already. I think he's serving a very lengthy term in the state of Mississippi. But the family of the victim in this case, who was the lover of this white police officer, now suing, and they have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Oxford, Mississippi Police Department, the city of Oxford, as well as the officer. Now, one unbelievable twist that I discovered on this case, when this officer killed the woman, he got help from a fellow officer in his report, according to some of the reading on this case that I've seen. And he got a fellow officer to essentially go along with the fact that Clayton died by suicide at the time. And that officer that helped him on that is actually still employed. Diara Gibbons helped him lie and said that Clayton died by suicide when she actually was murdered by this white officer. And she's still employed. She's still an officer in Oxford, Mississippi with the police department. Kenny is serving a life sentence for Clayton's murder. And therefore, because of the maybe cover-up and the fact that they still have this other officer employed, that's why perhaps there's this lawsuit going on from the family of Dominique Clayton in Mississippi. We know that Mississippi often has these larger-than-life stories, murder stories, racial-involved stories. This one is truly something out of the 21st century here with a, a officer killing a, a black female because from what I understand, I think the woman was going to either try to get more money out of her lover and or she was going to start telling people because I think he was married, and that's why allegedly he killed her like he did. And he's already been sentenced serving a life sentence. One last news headlines before we switch over in the next segment and tell you about the NC State Wolfpack. In Nashville, an update from Tennessee as the 48-hour abortion waiting period for Tennessee has been deemed constitutional. The Thursday, the full Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals determined that Tennessee's 48-hour waiting period for abortions is indeed constitutional. This ruling reverses the district court's previous decision in Bristol Regional Women's Center versus Slatery. The court recognized that, quote, before making life's big decisions, it is often wise to take time to reflect. The people of Tennessee believe that having an abortion was one of those decisions, so they passed a law requiring a waiting period of 48 hours. I'm sure this will be litigated even further, but again, the story from Tennessee a 48-hour abortion waiting period has actually been deemed by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals to be constitutional. Again, this one, I'm sure, is a long way from being put in stone anytime soon. Y'all talk with a southern accent. We'll take a break. We'll come right back, talk about the NC State Wolfpack, our latest stop on our tour across the southeast. Stay tuned.
The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And on our latest stop across the south, we are taking you to the capital city of North Carolina. That's where you'll find the NC State Wolfpack and the Pack out of the ACC Atlantic Division. It's all about the red and white today, y'all. This tour, and we're almost uh, 75% through this tour across the southeast. And we're wrapping up this week with y'all show. Talking about those canines out of Raleigh. Dave Jordan is the head coach at NC State. He's getting ready for his ninth season. In 2020, the pack went 8 4. They lost the game for matchup they had there in Jacksonville. Dave Doran, a little bit of a turnaround last year compared to what he had done in 2019 where he was just the opposite, four and eight. And then in the crazy corona season that we had, the pack ended up having that rather impressive regular season. They lost a heartbreaker to Kentucky in that Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. But now the pack getting ready for, again, Doran's ninth season. Let's walk through what the NC State Wolfpack football team has approaching them Quite soon, less than a month away on Thursday, September 2nd, from Carter-Finley Stadium, the USF Bulls, coached by a former assistant at Clemson, Jeff Scott. He brings his Bulls, the Ravaging Bulls, wind their way from Tampa all the way to Raleigh for the game, that opener, September 2nd. A very intriguing game for NC State in Week 2. It's ACC versus SEC as NC State takes on their fellow land-grant institution as they'll be in Stark, Vegas. Mississippi State is the opponent when MSU and NCSU get together on September 11th from Davis-Wade Stadium in Starkville. Then it's the Dick Sheridan Bowl on September 18th there at Carter-Finley Stadium. Dick Sheridan... The coach of the Furman Paladins back in the 1980s led Furman to a national championship. Did such a good job there that he got hired to be the NC State head football coach back around 1986. And it's Furman and NC State. Again, Dick Sheridan, he ought to be quite happy. I think he'll probably be there when the Paladins and the NC State Wolfpack have a battle on September 18th. The Pack have the Clemson Tigers coming into town on September 25th. Then they'll be taking on Louisiana Tech at Carter-Finley October 2nd. They'll be on the road at BC October 16th. The Pack have a cross-divisional foe in Miami. That game taking place at Miami Gardens on October 23rd. The Louisville Cardinals will be the homecoming opponent on October 30th 
at Carter-Finley Stadium. Back on the road to Florida as NC State take on their Atlantic Division foe, Florida State, on November 6th. Wake Forest, the Tobacco Road opponent for NC State, they get together in Winston-Salem on November 13th. And then the pack kind of wind things down in the regular season with a game against Syracuse. That game set for November 20th. And then the last game, another home game at Carter-Finley, the hated rival from 20 miles down the road. The North Carolina Tar Heels come in for senior day on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, November 26th. That's how the season sets up for NC State. One outlet out there that covers NC State football is backingthepack.com. That's an SB Nation site. And they have a very informative article up right now that I was reading before starting this this kind of tribute to NC State. And they really break down a lot of the great players who've come through NC State in recent years. Looking at the quarterback position alone, Roman Gabriel. Roman Gabriel was a fantastic quarterback in the early 1960s. And I'm the son of an NC State alumnus. And my dad, who's not necessarily the world's biggest sports fan, talked about Roman Gabriel being an NC State Wolfpack. And, and, and he saw him play when he was a student at State back in the early 60s. Gabriel went on to be a very successful quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. And I think maybe one of only a handful of American Indian quarterbacks, Roman Gabriel. And then they've had, in modern times, Philip Rivers, a great quarterback at NC State, Mike Glennon, Russell Wilson, before he transferred for his last year at Wisconsin, an NC State quarterback. So just a, a long, long list of fantastic quarterbacks coming out of NC State. And I think Jacoby Brissett also is a guy that I better throw in there as a great NC State quarterback of yesteryear. These days, the pack will be counting on a guy entering his sophomore campaign in Raleigh to be one of the trendsetters and one of the guys that will lead NC State to, if they do what they hope there in Raleigh, get them into some kind of possibility of playing for a conference championship. And that's Devin Leary, quarterback. We're going to go now to ACC Media Days. That was held just a few days back in Charlotte. And we're going to hear first Dave Doran, coach of the NC State Wolfpack, talking about his quarterback and more. You'll also have a clip here in this from Grant Gibson. He's the center. So the Gibson to Leary exchange, very important on that offensive line as the Wolfpack, again, getting ready for that first game of the season, USF. That's going to be here before you know it. But to help get you ready for NC State football 2021, here's this trio of Wolfpack you got the coach, his quarterback, and the center all talking at ACC Media Days. You know, I think any time as a head coach, you're going into your summer and you know who the starter is, there's just a different feel as a head coach. Um, Going into a fall camp and having a competition, it's going to happen. Not having that allows you to focus on a lot of other things. Uh, And I think for your team... That piece is really critical uh, for them to know who the, the shot caller is, for him to be able to lead the team throughout the summer like Devin has, um, all the things that they do without coaches present. It's a big part of, I guess you would say, putting yourself ahead of the game from other teams that are just still trying to figure that out. Being able to have so many guys back in the receiving core, running back, and our 
offensive line, everyone has great experience where it just makes my job that much easier. I mean, coach always says just be the point guard of the team, distribute the ball, make everyone else make the plays for you, and being able to have everyone back is very helpful. Uh, and, and for Devin and Tim to have the relationship they now have going through a year together and you know, finishing Tim's sentences for him, I'm sure Devin will tell you he knows the offense at a completely different level than he did a year ago. Last year, obviously, we had to go through different protocols and different things with COVID that kind of affected, uh, I guess, our overall learning. Um, like Coach Doran said, we had to do a lot of things virtual. But I think now this year, being able to see everyone in person, being able to pick everyone's brain and just communicate better within our offensive system is going to help us out so much more. Um, this team is great. You know, just the guys that we have that have played that are going to come back. Um, but also, we're close as a group. You know, I think that this team that we have, we're so tight-knit. Um, last year really brought us all together just with all the events that happened. But I think that the guys that we have that came back, it's going to be huge for us this year. All right, again, that was a trio of characters from NC State's football program. You heard there primarily from head coach Dave Doran, his quarterback, Devin Leary, and then also there at the end, center Grant Gibson, MC, NC State out of the ACC, preparing for the start of the 2021 season, which again starts off with USF and then the PACs conference opener this year. They have the Clemson Tigers. What a way to get things going in ACC play. And Clemson usually has a hard time when they go there to Carter Finley and that Wolf's howling over the loudspeakers. And you got to give NC State credit. They're a program I'm going to tell you more about in a second that has never won a national championship. It's been a long, long, long time since NC State was any kind of champion. But they still support their team. There have even been rumors before that NC State might decide to divorce their Tobacco Road brethren in North Carolina and also Duke and go for the SEC to help expand the SEC footprint into North Carolina. That was speculation, and now with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I can't imagine that would even be seriously considered. But this is a a school that loves its football. And I just told you a moment ago all the great quarterbacks, Roman Gabriel, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, have all worn that beautiful red-white helmet, and sometimes black, depending on what's going on there from an event standpoint. But NC State still is – they just can't seem to get good at a good time. That's that's my whole point of telling you about the history of NC State football. Now, they've got in their history 11 conference titles. They've actually won seven ACC titles in the history of this program. But it's been a while. It's been a long while, and that's not what NC State – the fans are counting on. Remember, they're on Tobacco Road, so there they love this sport called college basketball. It's been a little while since NC State's been fairly relevant in that sport. It's been 1983 since they won a national championship. And before that, it was with what David Thompson, roughly 1974, I think, the year that he helped NC State to a national basketball championship. And who can forget 83 with that unbelievable – I'm going to try to – tell you off the top of my head the five players on the court when you had that amazing shot at Albuquerque the five slamma jamma defeat you had Sidney Lowe you had uh, oh goodness uh, 
Oh, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have tried to embarrass myself like this. But yeah, the great ESPN documentary that came out a few years ago, the Thirty for Thirty series, really did a fantastic job of reliving that day. And I know we're supposed to be talking football here, but if you love basketball, that 1983 run NC State had, where they would not have even gone to the tournament had they not won the ACC tournament and defeated the number one team at that time, not UNC, but UVA and Ralph Sampson. And then they get Virginia again in the NCAA postseason and defeat the UVA Cavaliers there and then went on to beat Houston in that national championship. Lorenzo Charles, did I mention him? You had, uh, oh gosh, uh, uh, Gannon. Gannon, the guy that's on NBC now, was also out there on the court. Just one of my great memories. Again, I am the son of an NC State alumnus, and so I, I liked NC State growing up, and I still – Finally recall, I had a rough week this week with my father. I thought we were going to lose him on Monday. And uh, I try to think back of memories. Uh, As you are losing a parent, you try to focus on the good. And one of my really good memories, really one of the few times my dad and myself, just the two of us, went and did something together and not the rest of the family. We went to an NC State football game in 1986. And it was when they played their old rival that they don't play anymore. I wish they would. South Carolina, the Gamecocks and NC State. And it was a it was a heck of a game. It ended up on a the game ended on a Hail Mary pass after the clock had already expired. And that was a memory from, from that time. But just before eighty six was eighty three when NC State won that basketball national championship. And another great memory of mine as a child was going upstairs and waking up my dad who didn't watch the game to tell him that his alma mater had just won a national championship. I don't really think he cared, but I cared. <laughs> I cared, and I even got the little painter's cap from that era that had national champions. It's about the only time I've ever had a hat that had national champions because every team besides NC State that I sort of kind of like, has, they've never won anything. I don't know. I chose the wrong teams when it came to sports, even my professional sports teams. I think I can count up maybe one or two titles in the history of all of my different sports teams. So, yeah, you're not going to hear me boasting here personally about the championship success of my own teams. But today it's all about NC State. So bear with me. By the way, an update on my dad. He seems to continue to improve. So go Wolfpack. My dad was, again, I got the call Monday, if you didn't hear me, earlier in the week that my dad was going going fast i had just been with him for a week so i wasn't going to immediately get in the car go down there and say goodbye because it's over a 10-hour drive and my mother said no you just you you had a good good couple of days with him it'll be okay and i wake up to well i didn't wake up i stayed up all night monday thinking i was gonna get that call that we all dread getting one day as a child about your parents and my mother calls Tuesday to say he's improved and he's continued to improve. So perhaps the old wolf pack is going to come back with a fierce bite of his own going forward. And that's a, a very happy, happy thing for yours truly. But NC State, the NC State Wolf Pack, again, a program that has had moments of brilliance. But it's been since the 1970s when they won a conference title. Bo Ryan led them to a championship in 1979. And before that, it was a guy named Lou Holtz and his 1973 Wolfpack, which went 9-3. and three. NC State has 
had, as far as their final poll rankings, they have never finished in the top ten in college football. Got close back in 74. They were number 11 in the final rankings. But never in the final AP poll had they finished in the top ten. And they really like football at NC State. And therefore, as we get ready for 2021 and Dave Doran, again, entering his ninth season, the former Drake University student who played for Drake as a tight end and had gone on and been a coach for many, many years as an assistant at places like Montana, at Kansas, Wisconsin. He was the head coach at Northern Illinois before NC State brought him into the ACC. Dave Doran needs to get this year, kind of needs to be the do-or-die year, in my opinion, if he's going to be able to prove how good of a coach. He's making well over $3 million a year leading NC State's football program, and they have the support. They have Clemson perhaps may not be as powerful this year as they've been in recent years. They're in the same division. I know Florida State's been down. Wake Forest has been really down. You look at Syracuse out of that same Atlantic division, I can't imagine Syracuse is better than NC State here in 2021. And as Doran said in the clip we just heard a few minutes ago about his quarterback, a guy coming in with experience, there's no competition with Devin Leary. They know he's going to be the guy they're counting on for this 2021 season. And let's be honest, the season, the way it's set up, I don't think it's all that difficult outside of conference play as they start off again with USF. USF is not necessarily a – gang amazing group of football players at this point still a rebuild there with coach scott mississippi state mike leach i know this is going to be a tough ass to go on the road and win in the at an sec stadium but mike leach's program last year i didn't think was all that impressive they got an fcs team in Furman. Furman, and i follow Furman fairly closely Furman is not the Furman of dick sheridan's era of 1985 Furman, I think, was a losing football team the last time they got together and had a season. They got Clemson. I know that. They got Louisiana Tech. That should be a winnable game. I think NC State, if they don't have a winning season, something's really wrong. And if they don't have a very good season, in my opinion, something something's going to change in Raleigh, North Carolina, again, with Doran having all of these years as a coach in ACC play. And I think that if you're a Wolfpack fan, you might want to go ahead and book your trip to Vegas and put in a a few pesos on this team for this forthcoming season because it looks like they could be a real contender in ACC play. And here at the Y'all Show, we'll be with you throughout the season and walk you through each week's action and tell you if quarterbacks like the Sicklerville, New Jersey native, Devin Leary, now the red shirt sophomore behind center, number 13. Is he going to be the savior, or is it going to be other playmakers on the coach's team that's going to have to come step up for the Wolfpack and lead them to greatness? Part of the fun, part of the tradition, part of the excitement of college football. We'll talk in hour three. We'll get back together and continue to discuss NC State. In hour three, though, of today's Y'all Show, it'll be more about the university itself. We'll tell you about some of the great famous alumni from business leaders and government politicians and some of the great athletes have come out of NC State in all forms of athletic competition. They also are the alma mater of Zach Galifianakis, for goodness sakes. 
So what a, what a variety. And also the alma mater of Lara Trump, the daughter-in-law of Donald Trump. So, yeah, they got a little bit of everything coming out of Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. Again, that comes your way in Hour 3, the traditions and more of NC State. When the Y'all Show returns after this quick timeout, we're going to have a rewind back to our Monday show. It's I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. And we'll be discussing a couple of guys who walked into the Dixie Cafe while charging their Tesla. I found out they're on a tour across the South, and I just had to talk to them. So you're going to enjoy hearing from Taylor and Cameron, our Tesla travelers. That's coming up after this break. Go Got a few minutes left here in our first hour of our conversation about everything Southern. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show, broadcasting on incredibly awesome radio stations in the South, as well as in podcast form on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and Apple Podcast. Each week here on the show, we take time to rewind to a earlier show, and we're going to go back to Monday as we're here at the Y'all Show broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. And we had some fella travelers stumble in on Monday while charging their Tesla outside the Dixie Cafe. And I actually struck up a conversation. Pretty southern of me, don't you think? And here on the Y'all Show, we're going to rewind back to some of that interview from Monday. This is only a portion. If you want to hear it in its entirety, you got to go to those podcast options I just told you about, including Spotify, and listen for the Y'all Show. Look for the Y'all Show and listen to it from Monday. But right now, from Monday, these two travelers, Taylor and Cameron, I had a chance to talk to him. It turns out Taylor is a television producer for the website Cheddar.com, and he's based in New York, the one in New York City, that is. And so what a great little discovery and completely unplanned. Let's go back here and listen to these guys who are on a southern voyage going all over the south with food and music on their mind and enjoy this conversation. It's I-C-Y-M-I, and case... Y'all missed it again from the Monday Y'all Show. I'm newly single, so it's kind of one of those blowout trips uh, where we want to just go out. What do you mean by that? Uh, that means that I am uh, I've reclaimed my freedom. Are you divorced? Or no, you? no, okay. just just a little. Because I've been through two of those uh, things, uh-huh. and that 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 tells a story. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more in the know about the world because of that kind of stuff uh, going through heartache and heartbreak yeah. you can learn a lot but that's, that's I'm, I'm 0 for 2 in New York so far <laughs> well I'm 0 for 2 in the SEC I married one wife from Tuscaloosa and the other one from Oxford I'm at least switching divisions but uh, I probably need to switch conferences frankly uh, but now good for you so are you maybe you're trying to find you a good southerner is that is it oh uh, you know i think i found her a couple nights ago no. did you no <laughs> I, I found one i thought the other night too i was uh traveling in uh south carolina the other day 
and uh, went to a Braves game in Atlanta yesterday. So I, I kind of get around the roads of the South myself. But uh, I, I like your yeah. plan. I like how y'all are teaming up. That's that's the way to do it. Absolutely. And you're with uh, your traveling companions, another guy. So y'all are okay splitting a room. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, the thing is, he's also so amenable to where, like, I will take the bed, and he's just like, there's concrete floor. This is fine. I'll do fine there. Like, we can put him wherever we want. Okay, it's, it's very convenient. One of the problems with women, I mean, if you're, if you're a guy-girl type mm-hmm. relationship, if you, you've got to be really close, like, get down the road a long time before you start taking them across the south on tours like you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to wait that long. I want to go off, but I'm too cheap to do all this stuff myself. So if you have, like, a traveling buddy... Uh, or a harmless female that's okay with this. I mean, you start. I mean, a hotel these days is at least yeah two hundred, two fifty, mm-hmm. something like that. Gas is up there mm-hmm. these days. We don't have gas, so we're all right with that. Oh, you got a Tesla. <laughs> Even better. I forgot about the Tesla. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you do? Let's say you got to go through East Texas. Do you have a whose whose car is it? It's his Tesla. Okay, what's his name? This is Cameron. Do we want to talk to Cameron? Yeah, sure. Cameron, right. come on up. Cameron, where are you from? Uh, I'm from... You're going to have to talk to that mic right there. Yeah, do you see what he's trying to do here? I was born in Marietta, Georgia, but ah! I lived in South Florida for most of my life. Okay. So. I was in Cobb County yesterday, so... Oh, nice. All right, so you're kind of guiding him around. Have you kind of pitched him to do this? Who, who gets the credit for wanting to do this little trip? You know, it was actually the British Virgin Islands that I was planning on going to, and then we re- and then he... His passport hasn't arrived yet, so uh, we're, we're there, like, let's switch it up. The U.S. Virgin Islands. <laughs> Where's that? Oh yeah, the U.S. Right Virgin Islands. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to have. So a I passport. thought it was like a like you a. Gotta, you don't have to have a passport to go to the U.S. It's more expensive though. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's but the British Virgin Islands. In in due time, we'll go. We'll end up there. But um, domestically, we're like, we gotta we gotta see the South. So um, we just looked on a map and looked at the most fun cities that we could think of, and now we're on our way to them. And you started in. Did you, where, where is your first place you went? You said you went to Nashville. Did you go somewhere before that? Uh, no, just straight to Nashville is the start of the trip. So we're only about three days did in. Did you fly to Nashville? No, you I, f- I flew, he drew, drove, and my other friend flew. Where did you fly? Orlando. Orlando. So you drove up in your Tesla? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. To, or, okay, I'm just trying to map this out. See, yeah. we need to go into business and, and give people ideas. Mm-hmm. Enough of these other channels out there like Magnolia. Come on. <laughs> Which, by the way, you'll be near them uh, on, in Texas this week. But... Yeah, no, I'll pass over. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's go, all right. Go past them, but <laughs> we gotta, we gotta start, a, we gotta start looking out for ourselves here. But no, I'm, I'm very envious, and uh, and it sounds like a lot of fun. You, you two must obviously like each other, eh. or you wouldn't have signed up to go on a uh, another episode of Dumb and Dumber. I'm just kidding. They, they go way west. You're not going that far west. But <laughs> he, he just lets me talk a lot and interrupt him. So right. he, yeah. yeah, since he's what's your gas mileage? Even though you don't have gas, how far can you go? I can go 350 miles. 350 on a full charge if I'm driving responsibly. Okay. And so, like, from Orlando to Nashville, I only had to charge twice. Uh, from here to Memphis, just we're stopping in here for. Yeah. 10, 15 minutes. That's all. And then and you're giving me an angle yeah, because I'm we'll keeping have to you. charge one more, maybe two more times before Austin. Um, and I like 25 minute charges. It's not bad. Okay. And I mean, the best part is that I'm gonna pay maybe three, four bucks. <laughs> so you so, do have to pay for the charge. Yeah, but it's. I mean, who do you pay? Do you cheaper. pay Tesla? Paying Tesla, and then Tesla pays the electricity company in the okay. area. All right. 
So I don't have I don't have a Tesla, but yeah. but you're all about it. You like it? You don't have a Tesla? Right? I don't, so, but I reap all the benefits of, of buying a Tesla. But if you could get one, your your thumbs up on absolutely. Tesla. It's a beautiful ride, and uh, it's just so like it's like the apple of cars. It's yeah. it's very nice. I mean, and aren't they planning on moving to Texas? They are. That's what yeah, I'm talking Yeah, well, I mean, they, they have a big gig. You got a beating out there with Elon? Is that where y'all oh, going? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll send them your way if we get them. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Again, that was from our Monday Y'all show with those two fellows passing through the area and stopping by the Dixie Cafe. We love our southern travelers. Everybody get out there and see this incredible part of the world we live in. We're going to wrap up this show with, wrap up this hour of this show up next with a southern accent. Southern Accent. Here's a Southern Sports update from y'all.com. I'm Alyssa Rhodes. Fast-driving Kyle Larson has raced to four victories already this year on the NASCAR Cup Series, including winning the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. The 29-year-old has made the most of his second chance. Remember, it was Larson that used a racial slur during an iRacing event in April of 2020. Many thought the driver's day behind the wheel could be over. He was suspended indefinitely, sponsorships were pulled, he lost his racing team, had to go to sensitivity training, and more. Kyle Larson interviewed by Nate Ryan on NBC Sports. There was more good that came out of it than, than bad, for sure. Could you imagine saying that <laughs> no, a year ago? No, no, no definitely, definitely not. Is that maybe part of the message then? Yeah, I think it, as long as you're willing to put in the effort to make yourself better, then there's good that can come out of everything. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Melissa, for that fantastic way to wrap up our first hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. Hang on right where you are. We're coming right back after this extremely quick timeout. We've got a whole nother hour of y'all coming around the bend. We're going to have our Friday free for y'all, some good music, including some George Jones, I Don't Need Your Rocking Chair. That's up, plus Craig Faulkner is going to be filing his latest fishing forecast hour number two that plus a look at the new movies hitting theaters this weekend that's right here on y'all talk with a southern accent again coming right back we've hit the weekend it's talk with a southern accent and it's time here on y'all to get in your weekend mode. Thanks to Party Crowd and David Lee Murphy. Get ready to sing along in a second. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. But I knew the Lord, it was breaking her heart that she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights Misery looking for some company And tonight I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming the back and laughing out loud With the smoke so thick the blues can't hang around With the jukebox jumping like I just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try 
battery call Just where the heck's my truck So take my keys and lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to light The night's still young And I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back Laughing out loud with the smoke so thick The blues can't hang around With the jukebox jumping like they just don't care If they're dancing over here Or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd Oh, I hate to tell you We only got a couple of more weeks of summer Kids are going back to school right now, so you might want to have one more big blowout here this weekend. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Y'all help me out. Sing along. Get ready for the weekend. Looking for a party crowd. Slamming them back and laughing out loud. Where the smoke's so thick, the blues can't hang around. Yeah, you don't have to be a Nashville qualified singer to sing along. Come on, let me hear from you. Just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rounds, looking for a party crowd. And your party crowd can be whatever you want it to be, y'all. Roll that window down. Let that summertime breeze flow. Where the smoke's so big, the blues can't hang around. We're so glad you're hanging around. Talk with a southern accent with that big 1990s monster smash from David Lee Murphy. If you want to get in touch with us here, y'all, it is really, really easy. And it's a party crowd. If you get in with us, it's 803-816-1170. That is a number you can call anytime. It doesn't matter if you're listening to us right now on an incredibly awesome radio station, or if you're listening to us on one of those great podcast options like Spotify or iHeartRadio, it really, as some of us would say, it just don't matter. We just want to hear from you, and we want you to maybe send us some. we got to live vicariously. we got to see what you're planning to do with your party crowd weekend. So let us, let us see it, 803 803- 816-1170. Right now, as we start off this second hour of our Y'all Show, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times when we get to the spot of our Friday show, I kind of let it just kind of come to me. I'm all about preparation, but sometimes, at least from a musical standpoint, you just kind of have to go with the flow. And maybe the Bellamy Brothers helped me get to that point in life. But at this point, as we turn our attention to the weekend... I have been kind of, I guess the good Lord's hinted at me what we should be talking about here at our special little time wrapping up the set. This is the second hour of our final show of the week. I've had a rough week. As I've told you, I don't mean to belabor it. I've had a pretty rough week earlier in the week, and it has amazingly turned around. And it's all because of my father being extremely ill, and I was told that he wasn't going to make it, but he's actually hanging in there right now thank goodness um we've all had moments like that in our life so my father and i had a song that he wanted me i I play guitar but i'm not all that good but one song that i learned 
back in 1993, my dad loved for me to play. And I would, I should change that and say, my dad loves for me to play since he's still with us. Thank goodness. <laughs> but it's a song called, I don't need your rocking chair. And he loved it because I played it for him. I loved it because it's a great song. But one of the reasons it's such a great song is it's a fun song. George Jones, George the Possum Jones, put this thing out on MCA Records back in the 1990s. And if you ever saw the music video, it had a cast of country music greats in there. Garth, Alan Jackson, Reba's in there, I think. A whole bunch of them. The great, late, great Joe Diffie, I know, was in this song. Clint Black was in there. But the music video primarily didn't feature all these great country music stars with George Jones. It actually had the other George with George Jones. George Foreman. George Foreman starred in that music video for I Don't Need Your Rock and Chair. And George Foreman and George Jones have a lot in common. They're both Texas boys. Did y'all realize the 72-year-old boxing great is a Marshall, Texas native? And one reason I'm playing this song today is George Foreman is an Olympic gold medal winner. He won the heavyweight title at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. George Foreman's gone on to have an incredible post-sports life. A lot of people know him from the Foreman Grill. You might even own one. I bought one when they first came out. I don't have it anymore. I kind of wish I did. But those things work pretty good. George, way to go. By George, you're a pretty good spokesperson there, the George Foreman Grill. But together, George Jones and George Foreman put out this music video for George's song, I Don't Need Your Rocking Chair. We're going to play it. I also was inspired by just the Jones name. I was at a brand new unveiling today of a Jones Chevrolet, and I thought, okay, I get it. I'm destined to play. I don't need your rocking chair. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And frankly, for all of us who might be a little bit past 25% of our life lived, (laughs) this one's a good song because, you know, frankly, we don't need your rocking chair. We got a lot of life left, and we're going to get out here and kick butt and take names with the remainder of the good years that we have left in us. And that's why today this song, written by Billy Yates, Frank Dykus, and Carrie Kirk Phillips, a great trio of Nashville songwriters, from the 1992 album George Jones had out called Walls Can Fall on MCA Nashville. We're going to do this song. It was the 1993 Country Music Association Award for Vocal Event of the Year. I don't know why. It only got to number 34 on the Hot Country song chart for Billboard, but it had all these great country singers. It's a fun song, and we're proud to play it for you on today's Y'all Show. Take it away, George Foreman and George the Possum Jones. I don't need your rocking chair. I don't need your rocking chair. Your geritol or your Medicare. Well, I still got neon in my veins. This gray hair don't mean a thing. I do my rocking on the stage. You can't put this possum in a cage. My body's old, but it ain't impaired. 
your rocking chair I ain't ready for the junkyard yet Cause I still feel like a new carpet It might take a little longer but I'll get there Well I don't need your rocking chair I don't need your rocking chair Did you ever tall or you Medicare? Got me on my bank. This gray hair don't mean a thing. I do my rocking on the stage. You can't put this possum in a cage. My body is old, but it ain't impaired. Well, I don't need this rocking chair. Retirement don't fit in my plan You can keep your seat, I'm gonna stand An Eskimo needs a Frigidaire Like I need your rocking chair I don't need your rocking chair You don't need your rocking chair Did you hear it all or your Medicare? I've still got me on in my veins. This gray hair don't mean a thing. I do my rocking on the stage. Put this possum in a cage. Yeah, my body's old, but it ain't impaired. Well, I don't need your rocking chair. Oh man, I don't need your rocking chair from George the Possum Jones. They call him No Show Jones. And that was a song that unfortunately wasn't a number one song, wasn't even close to being number one back in the 1990s when it came out. But what a great song with George Jones, who we lost back in 2013, the country music superstar. And the music video, as we told you, featured George Jones and George Foreman together. The boxer and the guy that really had one heck of a career on stage singing George Jones. Foreman and Jones. Man, what could have been? What could have been? If they'd have just kept on putting out great songs like that one right there. The Y'all Show is going to be putting out a great fishing forecast. When we come back, Craig Faulkner is going to get you ready for the lakes of the south and the hunting grounds of the south. That's up next as we're going to discuss this summer heat and also hunting coyotes. Is that allowed or how do you do it? Craig's going to tell us when the Y'all Show continues after this break.
I can make a living from walking in the woods. You can bet I'll be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass, never worry about the price of gas. I'll be wheeling and dealing and sitting there reeling them in. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. And we are back on Talk with a Southern Accent, getting you ready for the weekend. I'm John Rawl. This is The Y'all Show. We're pushing towards the middle of August, and for some of you, it's still a chance to take a break away from hitting the fishing holes and hunting grounds of the South. You better be prepared. And to help you get prepared for the fall and what's going on beyond that is our fishing forecast that we put right here. And Craig Faulkner is the man behind the fishing forecast. And Craig, back on with us today. Hello, Craig. How are you today, John? I am doing great. And you must be, is this kind of a vacation for people like you right now? As far as uh, a fishing vacation, you know, I'm abstaining from fishing right now. Uh, I will tell you this, though. Uh, I've heard some uh, big catfish being caught out of the Tennessee River here recently and hmm. in other locations, too. I'm just not a big fan of uh, catfishing myself, but uh, but anyway, a lot of people are, and uh, if I were going to go after some fish right now, it's probably uh, be best chances would be catfish, or if I was going to go fishing, best chances would be some uh, moving water, yeah. hopefully a river system, right. because these uh, lakes and uh, that don't have current in them, uh, and, and in ponds also, uh, the dissolved uh, oxygen in the water is really depleted this time of year, and uh, and especially in these calm summer, hot, still days, there's uh, the water. The fish just get so lethargic because the oxygen's down in the water, and uh, so, like I said, unless you've got a, a stream or a creek or a river system water moving. Uh, or get below a dam. That's one thing I'd suggest this time of year uh, is fishing below a dam when they're generating because uh, that really adds a lot of oxygen to the water and a lot of bait fish will be up there and game fish will be feeding. But uh, anyway, those are my suggestions yeah. right now okay. if you are going to go fishing. Well, you were talking about those big, gigantic catfish that we've all seen pictures. Maybe some of you out there have actually reeled one of those things in before the south and its big rivers have a lot of these massive catfish out there available to catch if you have the courage to to reel one up are those the kind of fish you want to eat no no uh i i wouldn't eat a catfish if it was any bigger than probably uh six or seven pounds and i really like them smaller than that i'd really have like uh what we used to call fiddlers <laughs> Because they're uh, you know smaller catfish right there around a, a pound pound and a half or so, but uh, now th- those big catfish uh, they're not good to eat. They uh, they gain a lot of fat the older they get, so the flesh is real fatty. I see. And uh, now they're not good to eat. They, people just catch them for sport. Uh, you know, uh, most of the really big ones are normally uh, blue cats. Blue cats get the biggest. Uh, now I've heard of people eating uh, flatheads that get pretty big, but uh, I, I've always been a fan of channel catfish. If I was going to eat fish, 
Craig, since you and I last got together, I have been inspired by you. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I'm glad I reached somebody. I have actually message. casted a fishing line out into a pond since you and I were last together. I have a young nephew who's obsessed with fishing right now, and so I was with him. And I had no idea that Zebco and the old push-button reel <laughs> is kind of like old school, oh, and yeah. nobody uses those. And I had to get used to, because it's been some uh, 20, 30 years since I went fishing in, in a I, – I, I mean, seriously, it's been, probably been that long. And I had no idea about the way these these reels are, if that's even what they're called. So tell people, if they haven't been fishing lately, what's the, the norm – for a fishing rod. Well, the old, uh, the old reels you're talking about are called uh, closed-faced. In other words, they've got a complete cover on them. And the push-button closed-faced reels are... Uh, see, I started my kids off and my grandkids off because uh, they're pretty easy to function and there's uh, not much room for air and uh, line entanglement. Uh, moving forward from those... Uh, I graduated to, it's called an open-face spinning reel. It's got mm-hmm. a bail on it that you flip. You hold the uh, line with your index finger, throw it and release the line with your index finger. And the other type reel would be a uh, open-faced uh, bait-casting reel. And you have to it, put your thumb on it. It's got like a bar that goes across, and you have to... When you cast it, you got to use the tension and release tension with your thumb to let the line go out. That's what we had. Okay. Well, what is that called? That's an open-face bait-casting reel. An open-case bait. Open-face. Open open-face bait-casting reel. Correct. Didn't learn that one growing up. All right. And the advantage of those things, and let me tell you the advantage, since you probably know this, but just in case you didn't, you, those things go a lot further. Oh, certainly, certainly. Than your old Zebco. Yeah, and, you know, casting, uh, it's a, lot, a lot of it's got to do with the line, too. you got to have fresh line on there, and you, you don't want it too heavy, you don't want it too light. It uh, just depends on what you're fishing for. Uh, when I'm trout fishing and, and, and crappie fishing, I fish a lot with four-pound test, <laughs> which is really light, and, and so you can throw a light lure for a good little piece. And uh, and sometimes I'll move up to six pound, but if I'm bass fishing, I'm generally ten to twelve pound test. And if I'm rock fishing, uh, probably about twenty pound hmm. test. How about that? Well, another thing that again, my eleven year old let me let me say that again, eleven year old fishing nephew teaching his more than eleven year old uncle about all this fishing stuff. He switched up lures midway through the fishing exercise that he and I were a part of. And he went from some kind of worm that went in the water to some little round plastic thing that just skimmed along the top of the water. What, what was that all about? Uh, round plastic thing that skimmed along like the top. Like it didn't go down in the water whenever. It, it was a topwater bait. It was floating. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just a topwater bait. Well, what's the purpose of that? Well, some, a lot of times fish will uh, feed on top of the water, depending on, uh, uh, you know, whether there's been a bug hatch or uh, time of day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of bugs floating on the water, and those bugs attract minnows, and those minnows attract uh, game fish. 
So some top water action will draw some attention certain times today, in particularly early in the morning, late in the evening. And uh, some of them are noise makers. Uh, some of them. This one was making some noise. Yeah, yeah. And you got uh, Zara spooks that go side what? to side. What? It's called a Zara spook, and it uh, it goes side to side in the water, twitching and then stopping. Then you've got popping baits. Uh, old hula popper goes way back, hmm. makes a gloop, gloop, gloop. And uh, <laughs> you like it, glue? I do. I mean, who knew that Craig Faulkner was a man of many talents? I'm already giving you the title of casting director. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Because <laughs> you know about casting. And then, and then you got uh, what's called a buzz bait, which rides on top of the water that you retrieve real fast. It's got blades on top. It looks like a spinner bait, but it's made to ride on top of the water, and it's a, the noise action uh, that attracts the uh, fish. I mean, it sounds like you're probably going for a specific kind of fish. Uh, that's a bass bait, yeah. Okay. Those are all pretty much for bass. Now, you can catch uh, rockfish and hybrids on those same fish on the same lures uh, below dams. When they, when, when those striped bass, man, when they start popping the top of water, it's exciting. And uh, catch them on uh, top water is really exciting. Uh, they'll, they'll come up and start busting the water. I mean, you can hear it for 50 yards downstream. When they start popping, boy, they are—it's electric. You, you get in there, and bass do the same thing when they're schooling. It's really exciting when you uh, run into that with topwater bite. Well, thank you again to my nephew. Thank you to Craig Faulkner for helping me, and I represent all of y'all out there who aren't exactly fishing every single week or weekend. And this is all new to me. Who knew that it was this? advance here on the y'all show when we talk to craig we're not just talking fishing we're talking about the outdoors of the southeast and you mentioned recently about food plots preparation for that yeah uh my brother and i have been spraying uh some uh crp fields uh the last two weeks and i'm getting ready to uh go out there and lime them and then i'm coming back with some uh clover for my deer field and what is a crp field conservation restoration program okay just throwing that out there and so do you get like help when you have these crp fields well actually i'm not getting paid on this field but it is a crp field uh well now we got certain uh, properties that are designated crp and you generally have to keep them in that program for 10 years without uh without doing anything and it's, and it's all for erosion and soil mm-hmm. buildup, yeah. So you're the modern-day kudzu. I guess kudzu was a bad idea, and they're going with this idea for right. erosion. Right, All right, well, that's good there to know. Let me ask you a crazy question. So I got out of my car the other day, and I had the most awful smell that I had to smell, the smell <laughs> of death. And I had that smell, and I can't get rid of it. And the last time I had that smell, Craig, was about five years ago when my next-door neighbor intentionally had something in the back of his truck. He was a big outdoorsman, and he intentionally had some kind of dead animal smell or something going on that he was going to use to, I guess, use it for bait of some type. And and I'm not kidding, within a day of him having this thing parked outside the house, we had a snake that I had never seen a snake anywhere near me, and there it was outside of my house. So my question to you, are there sort of – rules in place that allow you to use dead dead 
animals for bait or fake the, the maybe the smell of a dead animal that's not really a dead animal what what's the what did i dream this what's going on uh you kind of got me on that one john uh i don't know why somebody want to drive around with a stinking dead animal in their vehicle <laughs> well i don't think it really i, I don't think I, I i don't know a lot about it but as far as you know in terms of game hunting are there not any kind of game you can go out and attract with carcass smell uh coyotes okay maybe that's yeah, what it was and that, that, that's a possibility there because uh, you can hunt coyotes year round and you and, can do it with the smell of a dead animal yeah i mean that's what they thrive off of uh i don't think anybody won't go out and shoot buzzards but you draw some of them too. <laughs> well we need some of them eliminated there's a well i guess they do have a purpose coyotes don't really have a purpose do they uh to eat wild game i see the game that you're trying to the kill yourself. That, yeah, and you're trying to conserve. Yeah. Yeah. I I swore, tell me about this. I was driving not f- too far from where you and I are sitting, and I could have sworn what I saw the other night was not a coyote. It looked more like a gray wolf. Have you heard of any kind of wolves in the Mid-South? Um, Land Between the Lakes, which is uh, right on the uh, Tennessee-Kentucky border. Mm-hmm. It's a big, uh, big, big, big place. Uh, For wolves? They've actually restocked uh, the Red Wolf. Okay. It's LBL. And they've also stocked. Oh, Lamb Between the Lakes. Yeah. And they've also restocked uh, elk at LBL. And uh, they actually have an elk uh, hunt here in uh, Tennessee uh, every year, but it's very limited. I mean, I, I don't think, like, Four or five people are drawn for it each year. Uh, the uh, TWRA actually has a bidding service for uh, bidding on an elk hunt. They're publicizing it right now. If you go to the TWRA website, of course, you can be from anywhere in the south and still register for mm-hmm. that hunt. But, uh, yeah, they've got red wolves there, but uh, no, not any red wolves in, in this area right here. Um, uh, I well, this one a, looked more gray to me. Yeah, and I could have sworn. And, yeah, I'm sorry. I could have sworn it was. It had more wolf-like features than a coyote feature. Yeah, and coyotes will be uh, different color. They're not all just you know the same color. And there's another uh, critter I call it a critter. It's it's a uh, is a mix between a dog and a coyote. It's called a coyote dog. And that's pretty rare, but uh, they do exist. And and there's wild dogs that look similar to coyotes, too. Uh, a lot of wild dogs in the area I live in, uh, people come out there and release pets that were unwanted and uh, from time to time. Not as bad as it used to be, but uh, and they'll run in packs sometimes, those dogs will. Man, scary. And are you allowed to kill them? I guess so. Okay, because I know... <laughs> I know as a youngster, we had a couple of wild dogs kill our hogs, and boy, yeah, that was not a good day. I can understand that. That was not a good day, especially when those hogs were my pet. <laughs> they weren't out there like being raised for some kind of production. It was just kind of a pet, and, and wild dogs got the best of them. Craig, anything else today while we have you? Uh, uh, if, like I said earlier, uh, if you're close to a river system or a creek, uh, if you're hitting uh, water to go fishing, find some moving water. It's going to be another uh, 
a month before I probably venture out into the water. But uh, good time for food plots. Too. Yes, sir. Craig Faulkner and his fishing forecast here on the Y'all Show. Always good to catch up with you, and, and best of luck whatever you're doing this weekend since you're not going to be hunting and fishing. Back at you, John. All right. More of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent is coming right up. Back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. If you want to get involved, our number to text is 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. Jumping back into the headlines across the southeast today. This from Pigeon Forge in Tennessee. A woman has been airlifted with a head injury from collapsing at the Titanic Museum. Did you know they had a Titanic Museum in Pigeon Forge? In Tennessee, they sure did. The Pigeon Forge Police Department has released the incident report of the Titanic Museum's collapsed iceberg wall, and that iceberg wall collapsing, leaving three people hospitalized. One had to be airlifted to the University of Tennessee Medical Center in Knoxville earlier in the week. According to the report, officers arrived at the Titanic Museum at the scene to assist first responders, EMTs, and firefighters and we're administering first aid to five individuals that the wall collapsed on. Two people suffered lower body injuries but weren't transported to the Knoxville Hospital. Three others suffered injuries to their arms, legs, and head. One had to be airlifted to UT Medical Center by Lifestar due to the extent of her head injuries. Geesh, go in to see something about the Titanic, something that crashed more than 100 years ago, and someone has a very severe injury. 44-year-old Barbara Stassen of Palm Harbor, Florida, was the victim airlifted to UT Medical in Knoxville. Another victim was, who wasn't transported to a hospital was identified as a 40-year-old from Ohio, Eric Hilliard. The other three victims not named in the report. So that news and I don't have an update on the condition of the woman airlifted, but all from a Titanic Museum's iceberg collapsing in Pigeon Forge here this week. Have you seen people put notes on their cars, especially some of the clunkers riding around the highways of the South, that have signs like tag applied for or something along those lines? You've seen them. You've seen them. Well, evidently, the temporary tag that's legitimate from the state of Texas must be fairly easy to facsimile, so much so that fake Texas temporary car tags are being printed up and used around the country, and they're being used for crimes many, many, many states away from the Lone Star State. And these things are showing up as far as New York 
as a recent FBI investigation found more than a half million fraudulent Texas paper tags were sold by just three people to buyers across the country. And again, this is all from these temporary paper tag type deals that you'll often get from a car dealership when you buy a new car or perhaps from a used lot, for example. Police in New York said Texas made it a little too easy to obtain temporary tags online with few questions and little verification. Hey, Governor Greg Abbott, might want to fix this, might want to fix this. Back in May, an FBI investigation found three people in Houston set up what's called fraudulent and fictitious used car dealerships and got more than 500,000 tags from the DMV that appeared legitimate to any police officer. On the street, these things go for 200 to $300. So you can get these fake tags, or at least you could have prior to here on the Y'all Show, me telling you about them. And how how dumb is that to make these things that easy? I, I'm not sure they need to have these temporary tags out there in today's world. Oftentimes, they're only on your car a couple of days. I think law enforcement probably, I don't know if they really help out or not. I'm not in law enforcement, at least not yet. But yes, according to reports, fake tags have been a problem in Texas for years, and perhaps the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles needs to get on it and figure out how to avoid all of that. Speaking of car tags, here in the South, unless you live close by, it's almost like seeing Bigfoot when you see a Delaware car tag in most of the South. And I saw my maybe second Delaware tag in about a decade just the other day. Even even if you get up to Washington, D.C., which is not all that far from Joe Biden's home. Well, it's not really his home state. It's where he's called home for 50 years or so. Yeah, I saw the first state nice blue and yellow Delaware tag. So speaking of car tags, I just wanted to throw that out there. Maybe when you're on one of those long trips across the south sometime, you and the kids or you and the grandkids or whoever might can play a, a game going down the interstates of the south of, uh, okay, whoever spots the first Delaware tag gets – a, a pint of ice cream who knows and that's not something you can play if you have a state that touches delaware let's say maryland or pennsylvania and new jersey doesn't technically touch it i don't think it does across that little inland harbor around uh rehoboth beach that area uh, okay that see that's not even in our wheelhouse talking about delaware so i'm going to shut up talking about our first state and focus on the 16 southern states that we have right here in the south and one of those great southern states is the heart of dixie alabama and it looks like alabama could be the heart of interstate 14 as plans for the state of alabama's newest interstate and this is an interstate that will go through other southern states plans are right now in front of the united states senate it's a new five-state highway that goes across central Alabama. It runs from Georgia to Texas, and it was approved for designation in the U.S. Senate this week and part of an amendment to the Bipartisan Infrastructure Spending Package. The first 25 miles of I-14 are already established in central Texas, but this thing will end up locking portions of several of our southern states it will stretch from augusta georgia to midland odessa texas when completed interstate 14 and i'm looking at the map of where it's going to be going through let me zoom zoom in so i don't miss anything so it starts in the csra 
in Augusta, and instead of following a path toward Atlanta, it kind of dips down toward Macon, and it will go through, I guess that's Milledgeville or Wrens on its way westward out of Augusta, goes through Macon, then it goes toward, toward Columbus, Georgia, crosses the Chattahoochee River at Columbus, and then it goes toward Montgomery. And from Montgomery, Alabama, it would go through the Black Belt of Alabama, Selma. And then it would go through perhaps Demopolis, I think, is on this route for inter- proposed Interstate 14. And then it crosses the Mississippi River, um, not the, the Mississippi State Line, rather, at around Meridian. Between Livingston and Meridian is where this thing will team up with Interstate 20. Then it will go s- follow the Interstate 59 route toward Laurel, Mississippi, but there it will branch off of Interstate 59 and head west toward Brookhaven in Mississippi. So this is about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour south of Jackson, Mississippi, is where this thing will be going west. It ultimately will link up to Natchez. And if you've ever been in anywhere in Mississippi and tried to go to Natchez, you got to go through back roads. There's no interstate going to that lovely spot on the Mississippi River, Natchez. And so this interstate will essentially, if you're a Mississippian, you can drive from Natchez to Meridian, all on Interstate 14. That's a heck of a transition from the way it's been. It crosses the Mississippi there at Natchez over to Faraday, hometown of one Jerry Lee Lewis and Mickey Gilly and more. And there it goes in Louisiana to Alexandria. Alexandria, it goes over toward Leesville where you have Fort Polk, a lot of military folks in that area of Louisiana. And then it crosses the Sabine River into East Texas in the uh, Piney Wood area of Texas, going through Livingston, Huntsville, Texas, making its way through College Station. How about that? You can travel now, if this were to be completed, SEC town of College Station. You can go straight from there all the way to Montgomery, Alabama, to Macon, almost to another SEC town in Columbia, South Carolina. I-14, how about that? This thing ends up going in Texas all the way out toward Temple, Texas, and it ends up, its destination is around Midland, way out in West Texas, and it meets up with Interstate 20 when it's all said and done. So a long way to go. We're still working in some portions of the south on Interstate 69, and that, I've been seeing that thing being built for years and years and years, but there's there's definitely progress out there to be made, and if you're if you're got some years on you like I do, you still remember when interstates across the South were kind of slowly but surely getting built. And boy, what a difference they've made across the Southland over these last 50 or 60 years. The Eisenhower interstate system, if you will, and they have been a game changer. In many ways good, but in some ways they've really put a, put a hurting on some of our great small towns that used to have pretty active roads going through them. Well, where was Craig Faulkner when I pulled up this article here as we get into the southern outdoors here? A Missouri man has caught the world record size big head carp while out bow fishing. A Perryville, Missouri man, the latest state record holder under the alternative methods after shooting a 125 five-ounce big head carp, according to the Missouri Department of Conservation, Matt Neeling was bow fishing with a friend when he shot the fish at Lake Perry in Perry County, Missouri, and show me a big old whopper, and sure enough, show me a 125-pound, 5-ounce 
big head carp that this guy got again bow fishing in the state of Missouri. Congratulations on a nice little haul, something perfect for the trophy case for sure. Our police across the South and across the country have often been in the last couple of years with social justice warriors going after them, been on the negative side of the headlines. But how about this story coming from Atlanta as an Atlanta Police Department officer is filmed giving shoes to a barefoot homeless man? What a great gesture there in Atlanta. And I don't know if we know that the full name, it's, it's Officer Thomas. Is what's been released. Officer S. Thomas with the City of Atlanta Police Department. But this officer now being praised for buying a pair of shoes for this barefoot homeless man. This act was filmed by a by a bystander there in the Atlanta area. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful testament to our great law enforcement. I know they're, just like in any profession, been... A few people who have not done the right thing, sometimes done the wrong thing. But boy, what great people in blue we have. And this is an example of Officer Thomas, an EW officer in Atlanta's Zone 5, caught on video, not trying to be caught, not, not trying to get headlines, but here we are today praising this officer for helping out a fellow citizen there in the city of Atlanta by giving them shoes to a barefoot homeless man. Great, great story as we wrapping up here the weekend and getting you ready, wrapping up the week and getting you ready for the weekend. When we come back on y'all, a quick look at some movies hitting theaters this weekend. And there's at least one movie that's got a couple of Southern connections in it. And I'll tell you all about it. And that's ahead as we look at the weekend at the theater. That's up next. I never promised you a rose garden Along with the sunshine There's gotta be a little rain sometime When you take you gotta give So live and let live or let go I beg your pardon I never promised you a rose garden all right, we've got three new films hitting theaters this first full weekend of the month of August. And perhaps the biggest of the three is The Suicide Squad. Now, this is directed by a St. Louis native, James Gunn. He directs this. Margot Robbie, as well as John Cena, are in this one. And they got got other, other great actors as part of this, if you get a chance to see this. Super villains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they're dropped off at the remote enemy infused island of Corto Maltese. Missourian James Gunn again directing the Suicide Squad. This is going to be one heck of an action adventure comedy, actually. It's just for the whole family, although it's rated, if you go try to see it, rated R. 
It's out this weekend. It's also on HBO Max as well. Annette is another film hitting theaters this weekend. This is a drama musical. It's got Leo Corax as the director. Adam Driver is one of the stars, a stand-up comedian, and his opera singer wife have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift. Annette, one of the new films out this weekend. And lastly, a drama thriller, John and the Hole. This one's got Michael C. Hall as well as Charlie Shotwell, a coming-of-age psychological thriller that plays out the unsettling reality of a kid who holds his family captive in a hole in the ground. Might want to be missing that one myself. John and the Hole, one of the three new films in theaters this weekend. If you're lucky enough to live in a portion of the South, it's got something up from a movie theater standpoint active right now. Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent continues in Hour 3. Hang on, we've got more sports information to pass along. NC State is our featured school on our tour across the South. And we also have in Hour Number 3 more headlines that we'll be sharing with you. All that is ahead. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Hang on. We got our number three finger in the air. It is time to wrap up this third hour of our conversation that covers everything Dixie. I'm General John Rawl. I am the guy that brings you three hours of Southern talk. And it has been just an absolute treat to be with you all of this week. And frankly, all of this month as we're wrapping up a full week of our first week of August. How about that? A lot of young'uns went off to school or getting ready to go back to school. Parents are likely celebrating that feat. But yes, it is the y'all show that you have locked in on your radio or podcast dial. And we're going to have a great send-off here to the week as we have just this fun hour planned for you. We've got sports headlines. We actually have some golf to tell you about, not only What's going on in Memphis this weekend, but what's going on in Japan with the ladies out on the golf course, an update on the Olympic golf competition. We'll also tell you in our sports update of the Southeast some information about Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. He's just signed on to a pretty nice contract. And a Texas A&M football player suspended. We'll tell you the reason behind that. Also, what's going on in Major League Baseball this weekend? we got the rivalry in Chicago going on between the Sox and the Cubs. That is part of the fun on Major League Baseball Diamonds here this first full weekend of August. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us. Also coming up this hour, in addition to talking these other sports items, we're going to tell you about the NC State Wolfpack Traditions. We'll discuss NC State's great alumni and more about North Carolina State University in Raleigh as State is our latest stop off on our tour across the southeast. We're right in the middle of a voyage of featuring all of these great colleges as they prepare for the start of the 2021 season. 
and NC State out of the Atlantic Division of the Atlantic Coast Conference is where we're going today. And we've already told you about the Dave Duran coach team. We heard from the quarterback of the pack in hour number one, Devin Leary. And this hour, it's going to be more about the university, the alumni, the tradition, and more. Get your howl on because Wolfpack fans, you are our send-off to the weekend here in this third hour as NC State is our featured school today. That's coming up here in hour three, plus more headlines. And from Dixie with Love, we'll get us out of here on this end-of-the-week celebration that we call the Y'all Show. Back into some of the sports headlines of the Southeast right now. And we're going to take you actually to Japan for this story as Floridian Nelly Corda. Man, what a job she's doing on the golf courses of the world right now. She flirted with a 59, which is extremely impressive. It doesn't get much lower than a 59 on a golf course. And Nelly Corda has a four-shot lead at the Tokyo Olympics. And she's just that much closer to getting a gold medal with a 9-under-62 that she carded, and that tied an Olympic record and gave her a four-shot lead. Again, Corda, one of the four women representing the United States Olympic team, and she is just off and going, even in the Olympics, doing fantastic work. The 23-year-old Florida native Nellie and her sister Jessica are two of the top LPGA players, and they're representing the two Cordas, two of the four I know Kang is another one, and I guess Lexi Thompson is the fourth. I know all four of the women golfers on the U.S. Olympic team. How about that? Give me some props. I do. I know all four of the male, but that they're they're in the past. They had their competition last week. Now, Corda, who won the women's PGA Championship at Atlanta Athletic Club just six weeks ago, is really one of the big stars of the LPGA Tour, and for her to get that incredible round that she had in the Olympics and come that close to winning it all is quite a feat. And we already saw Xander Shoffley get the gold medal on the men's side. So the American golfers, and this is a worldwide sport, golf, just that close to sweeping the Olympics from an individual standpoint. Congratulations. Now the fellas of golf, most of the great fellas of the PGA Tour find themselves at TPC Southwind in Memphis this weekend. It's the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. A purse of over $10 million is at stake where Justin Thomas is your defending champion. A guy who has won this tournament in the past years, one of his, I think, three total tournaments he's ever won on the PGA Tour, Harris English, the Chattanooga educated guy. He went to, I think, Baylor School in Chattanooga, but a, a former UGA golfer, the big tall Georgian slash Tennessean, has a lead as of now after he carded in his first two rounds at TPC Southwind, a 61, or rather a 62 in round one and a 65 round two. So he currently enjoys a two-shot lead over Texan slash Mexican Abraham Answer. Cameron Smith of Australia is a couple of shots behind Harris English as well. Louisiana kid Sam Burns is fourth. Scotty Scheffler, former UT golfer, that would be Texas. He's also in the top five of this contest. It has, I think it's 60 
the top 60 golfers of the world invited, or maybe it's the top 50. I heard only two of the either top 50 or two of the top 60 golfers are not in contention at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational in Memphis. This is truly the greatest hits of golfers at this big event. And, yeah, it's it's a little bit over 60. Perhaps they did a few invites to those who weren't exactly in the top 60. But it's a big-time money event, and it's right there for FedEx, the big sponsor on the PGA Tour. It's their chance to showcase golf in their home city. It's a chance to represent FedEx and St. Jude, the wonderful hospital in Memphis that helps out the children of the entire world. And what a great combination they have in Memphis going on this weekend at TPC Southwind. Again, a former champion from about six years ago, Harris English. He has the lead after two rounds with a 13 underscore, and that's two better than two golfers that are just behind him with 11 underscores, Abraham Anser and Cameron Smith. And the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational going on this weekend. If you want to tune in to your favorite golf television station, I better not say Golf Channel because I'm not sure if they've got the coverage of this or not. But I guess they probably don't since NBC's dominated right now with Olympics coverage. This might be and probably is a CBS sports broadcast. How about that? Jim Nance perhaps in Memphis for this big event this weekend. To some football news, and from the Buffalo Bills, they've signed quarterback Josh Allen, the former Wyoming quarterback, Y-O indeed, as he has inked a six-year extension with the New York State-based team, and the deal is worth $258 million, with $150 million of it guaranteed. So Josh Allen getting paid. The deal tops out at $258 million. Allen, who was the number seven pick back in 2018, had his fifth-year option picked up in May as a formality as both sides had previously expressed their desire for a long-term deal. What a nice surprise for Buffalo. This is a franchise that's really been in the dark for several decades since the 1990s, and Josh Allen has led them to the playoffs. He's led them to the brink of possibly going to a Super Bowl. It was last year when they played in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs got the best of them. But the Buffalo Bills are back, and it's in large part due to Josh Allen. And this guy, I think he's a native Californian, found his college home in Wyoming and Laramie, and now finding maybe he's a guy that excels in the smaller towns of the country. He goes to Buffalo, which is pretty small compared to other NFL cities, and what a job he's doing with the Bills franchise, and he's getting paid as a result of it. College football news, a football player, McKinley Jackson at Texas A&M, has now been suspended after he was arrested with a drug charge. He is a defensive lineman, and Jimbo Fisher suspending him on Thursday after he got two drug charges, including possession of a controlled substance, which is a second-degree felony. McKinley Jackson was charged with one misdemeanor count of possession of marijuana under two ounces. He was released from the Brazos County, Texas jail on a $22,000 bond. An A&M spokesman said Jackson had been suspended from the football activities per university policy after a player is arrested. Arrest records show the date of offense as April 7th. 
The Brazos County District Attorney's Office said the arrest was made after an investigation. So right now, this six foot two football player, a native of Loosedale, Mississippi, that's South Mississippi, George County is where he is from. He played in all ten games for the Aggies last season, had one start. He had 13 tackles, two for a loss, and one and a half sacks. He was named to the SEC's all-freshman team in 2020. But right now, not sure about his football future after reading headlines like this to start off y'all third-hour sports coverage. The Florida Gators intend to spend part of the football training camp in Gainesville in a hotel. And that's all in an effort to combat COVID-19. As Coach Dan Mullen searches for ways to avoid a big COVID-19 outbreak within the program, the Gators begin three weeks of fall practice today. And Coach Mullen understands much more about the coronavirus than he did a year ago or even a month ago, according to reports out of the swamp. Mullen said that he's going to have some protocols put in place. He thinks everybody's a little bit more educated about it now. And there's a lot more familiarity with it as of now. But part of this effort to try to be in the know and do better in 2021 is to perhaps move his entire team to all together in a hotel. As coronavirus hospitalizations are surging again right now across the country and in Gainesville, Florida, they're going to be doing their part. Mullen says the Gators are probably over the 85% vaccination threshold required by the SEC, but he admitted he wasn't sure about the exact number. Now, programs that reach 85% will not be required to have their players and coaches test regularly or wear face coverings inside team facilities. It It forced the Gators to shut down activities and remote work remotely if that indeed ends up kind of getting in a little bit of trouble with the home office in Birmingham if they're below the numbers or if the numbers justify them not necessarily practicing or getting together. But the story, again, out of training camp, which opens today for the Gators, they're prepared to spend part of training camp, if they have to, all sequestered in a hotel in the Gainesville area to avoid contact with other folks and spreading Delta more than it already is being spread around the South and around the country. A quick update on Major League Baseball. And boy, what a race we've got going on in the NL East right now. It's really a barn burner with these last seven weeks or so left in the regular season. A quick look at the standings in the AL East. The Rays enjoy a one-and-a-half game lead heading into the weekend action over the Red Sox in L, rather American League Central. White Sox easily out in front. They got a nine-and-a-half cushion over the Tribe. In the AL West, a little bit of a contest between the Astros, Athletics, and even Mariners. And right now, the Strohs enjoy a four-game lead in the AL West over the Oakland A's. To the National League East, as mentioned, what a race we've got going on right now. The Phillies have moved within a half game of the New York Mets. The Atlanta Braves are one-and-a-half back of the Mets right now, so they're one game behind the Phillies. The Braves on Thursday got over 500 for the first time this entire year as they swept the St. Louis Cardinals in a midweek series in St. Louis. So the Braves are one and a half back. The Nationals are only seven and a half back of the Mets in the NL East. In the NL Central, 
The Brewers have a comfortable lead, at least as of right now. They've got a seven-game edge over Cincinnati. St. Louis is 11-and-a-half back of the Brew Crew in the NL Central. And then another tight race out in the NL West. The Giants with a four-game edge over the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Padres are seven-and-a-half back. And then, boy, a great divide between those three NL West teams and the other two in that division. The Rockies are 21 games out of first place. The Arizona Diamondbacks are 35-and-a-half games out of first place in the NL West. That would be called quite a discrepancy in baseball. What's going on on the diamond of the Major League Baseball teams this weekend? In Chicago, they got the Windy City Classic, or whatever they call it, maybe the Subway Series. It's Chicago at Chicago, the White Sox at the Cubs this weekend. A lot of fun from Wrigley in this Intercity Classic. The Mets will be taking on their NL East brethren, the Phillies, that taking place in Philadelphia this weekend. The M's will be at the New York Yankees. The Rays travel to Baltimore for a series. The Red Sox will be across the border in Toronto. The Detroit Tigers will be at the Cleveland Indian Guardians. The Pittsburgh Pirates will be traveling downriver to Cincinnati to visit the Reds. The Nats will be at Truist Park to visit the Atlanta Braves. The Minnesota Twins at the Houston Astros. The San Francisco Giants will be at Miller Park to take on the Milwaukee Brewers. The Kansas City Royals will have their great show-me showdown as they're going to be taking on the St. Louis Cardinals along the banks of the Mississippi River in St. Louis, Missouri. The Miami Marlins will be at Colorado this weekend. Rangers and A's get together. The Halos and the Dodgers in the Freeway Series. That should be a lot of fun with Shohei at Dodger Stadium this weekend, perhaps. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks will be at San Diego for a matchup this weekend. And that's your Southern Sports Update here on this third hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. When the Y'all Show returns, we're going to tell you more about NC State University in Raleigh. We'll discuss some of the great traditions of the Wolfpack, and we'll also tell you about game day. What are some of the fun stuff that go on and some of the famous alumni of NC State? All that is ahead when the show that's all about the South comes right back. show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And we're taking you to the state capital of the old North State as the NC State Wolfpack, based at Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. That is today's Spotlight School. We're on this 44-city tour across the southeast, getting you ready for the start of college football. Just think, less than one month from right now, college football is going to be everywhere. 
and college football is going to be everywhere. And football is already back. We had a preseason game on Thursday between the Cowboys and the Steelers. I actually saw driving on Thursday night probably a middle school age football team out there playing in a stadium with the lights on and fans in the stands. It was just a thing of beauty to see. And that's going to be something you can see in person if you make your way to Carter-Finley for that first game when the Wolfpack take on the South Florida Bulls. It's NC State, today's featured school. I'm going to tell you all about the university. I'm going to tell you all about the famous alumni of NC State. I'm going to tell you about the great traditions of the pack. But right now, it's the fight song of NC State. veteran of the United States Army, you probably have heard that song played a time or two. That is the NC State fight song, also known as Quezons Go Marching Along or Rolling Along. And the reason that song, of course, being played as NC State's fight song, NC State, like many, many southern institutions, were land-grant schools that also had a military component. And you could go back in the history books and look up Auburn, Clemson, State, both states, NC State, Mississippi State, all had that military kind of cadet lifestyle prior to 1970. And NC State was one of those schools way back in the day that they had certainly a large army presence. And therefore, that song ends up being their fight song many, many years ago. NC State, which begins its 2021 season, they'll be playing the South Florida Bulls that opening weekend. Jeff Scott is entering his second season as the Bulls head coach, and they get together for an early game in the season, September 2nd. That's the Thursday night of college football's opening weekend, and that's going to be televised on the ACC Network when the Bulls and the Wolfpack get together. NC State will be at Mississippi State on September 11th for a game in Stark, Vegas. Clemson is the ACC opener for State as they come into Carter-Finley for a game on September 25th. Dave Doran is getting ready to enter his ninth season as the NC State coach. He currently enjoys a record of 55-46. and 46. Last year, NC State had an 8-4 and four record. They went to the Gator Bowl, and they lost a heartbreaker to the Kentucky Wildcats. So NC State now, with Dave Doran leading this program, need to get it turned around, or he will likely not be back perhaps for a 10th year if NC State goes in the opposite direction of 8-4 and four coming up this season. North Carolina State University, located in Raleigh, is a public land-grant research institution. It opened in 1887, and it's actually part of the University of North Carolina system. Its chancellor is William Randolph Randy Woodson, and currently State has 36,000 students enrolled on the Raleigh campus with almost 26,000 undergraduates and 10,000 postgraduate students at NC State, which is, again, right in Raleigh, a rather large city. This is not some kind of small school, small school setting. They're right in the heart of a big city in the south, Raleigh, North Carolina. 
as I said earlier, my father is actually an alumnus of NC State, and I didn't know until one day I was looking at his diploma that this thing at one time actually was not called NC State. It actually was called something like the University of North Carolina Raleigh. And in 1962, 1963, they changed their name that year to become North Carolina State of the University of North Carolina. Kind of confusing, don't you think? Ultimately, though, they ended up just becoming North Carolina State University, a school, again, that has that land-grant tradition. And people like my father went there for agriculture. He's got a degree there from ag- in agriculture as that's how the school got established as the North Carolina College of Agriculture and Mechanic Arts started way back in 1887. And with that main campus in Raleigh, they've got buildings on campus like Holiday Hall, and that was built way back in the 1800s, and that now houses the chancellor's office on the Raleigh campus. A landmark at state is the Memorial Bell Tower. That was completed in 1937. And it was named in honor of 34 NC State alumni who died fighting in World War I. That tower stands 115 foot tall. And it is on the seal of the NC State University seal and on their diplomas and, and things like that. So a very proud, a very large school is NC State. I, I, I think it actually might be bigger than the University of North Carolina's Chapel Hill campus. I'd have to double-check that. But NC State's got a long, long list of alumni, many that you've heard of, people from all walks of life, actors. They've got politicians. They've got athletes who've come out of NC State. And we're going to tell you a few of those, if you don't mind, here on the Y'all Show. First off, they have in the world of, uh, I guess you would consider her a politician, Although she's never been elected, she's never even run, but she was talked about being a candidate for Senate in North Carolina in 2022. Laura Trump, the daughter-in-law of President Trump, she's a North Carolina native and a NC State alum. In fact, she had a rally with the North Carolina Republican Party, and she made reference that she was indeed a wolfback, or I guess she would just say she's a wolf at that event back a couple of months ago that her father-in-law actually attended there in Greenville, North Carolina. North Carolina State's also provided a lot of other political figures throughout the years. They've had people like Michael Robinson, an activist on the civil rights front. They've had people who've gone on to other states and represent political parties and more. Right now, a member of the Texas House of Representatives, Glenn Rogers, is an NC State alumnus. In the world of media and entertainment, we have people like Actress Jill Wagner, she is an NC State alumnus. She got her degree in 2001. You might know her for her role on the ABC game show Wipeout. And she's also been in a whole bunch of Hallmark movies. She's an NC State alumnus. How about John Tesh? I had no idea John Tesh is an NC State alum, but indeed he is. We also want to point out that Scotty McCreary, American Idol champion and a country music star. He's a NC State alumnus. Don't forget, this guy is known for his work on the Golf Channel and NBC Sports, but he actually was a great NC State basketball player. Terry Gannon, who's on NBC Golf Channel, I think now, or maybe he's on ABC. 
He got his degree in history back in 85. Terry Gannon is an NC State alumnus. And also from the world of entertainment from NC State, this guy did not graduate, but we'll let him slide because he's hilarious. Zach Galifianakis, who grew up in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, and he is an NC State attendee. We'll go ahead and call him an alumnus of State. Yes, the guy that has that crazy red head and crazy red beard, Zach Galifianakis, an NC State alumnus. From the world of business, you have the former CEO and chairman of Caterpillar, James W. Owens. He's, he's a graduate class of 1973. And you also have the CEO currently of DuPont, Edgar Wooler, Jr., an NC State alumnus. Man, what a very long list of athletic greats coming out of NC State. Philip Rivers, longtime Chargers quarterback, a guy who's even referenced here lately that he might come back and play again as a quarterback in the NFL. He's an NC State alumnus. Russell Wilson, NC State alumnus, before going to finish his career at Wisconsin. You also have PGA golfer Tim Clark, a state alum. Vinny Del Negro, remember him in the NBA? He was actually not only a player, but he went on to be the head coach of the Clippers. And he played in those late 80s basketball teams of Jim Valvano, the great NC State basketball coach. But, yes, that guy, an NC State alum. How about former Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Bill Cower? He got his degree at State back in the 1970s. The former football player turned coach of the Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers, Bill Cower. I'm actually surprised he hasn't gone back and become some kind of coach or some kind of great spokesperson, if you will, of NC State. I guess he likes perhaps living in Pittsburgh still. I don't know where he actually lives, but he's beloved by NC State, Bill Cower. NC State alumnus. Another great guy from the NFL years, Roman Gabriel. He got his degree in 1962. Roman Gabriel went on to be a Los Angeles Rams quarterback and did a fantastic job in the NFL. And I think he is a 100% Cherokee Indian, Roman Gabriel. And he went on to have such great success in football and an NC State alum in Roman Idonzo Gabriel Jr. Roman Gabriel is 81 years old. And let me double check if he's Cherokee. He could be Lumbee Indian. No, I'm sorry. Roman Gabriel was born a to a Filipino immigrant. Okay, so he's not American Indian. I'm, I apologize. I, I could be wrong, but from what I'm seeing, he's the first NFL quarterback of Filipino-American descent, not American Indian descent. I was always told he was an Indian, but... Evidently not. And where he is from in eastern North Carolina, they have a large Lumbee Indian presence. And perhaps I thought that's what he was. I know there's other great athletic figures who are from Lumbee Indian ancestry. Also in the athletic world of NC State, how about Mike Glennon, who was an NFL quarterback? He was an NC State alumnus. How about the great receiver Terrence Holt? Terrence Holt, I'm sorry, Terrence Holt was a safety. I'm confusing him with Torrey Holt, who I know was an unbelievably good receiver for the St. Louis Rams and more. I think he helped win a Super Bowl there in St. Louis for the Rams 
Tory Holt playing back in the early 90s for the NC State Wolfpack. So, again, a very long and distinguished list of athletes who've come out of this ACC program in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're proud here today to uh, – oh, uh, how could I forget? I, I better give proper, proper credit here if we're talking about great athletes and more who've had a run at athletes. How could you forget Spud Webb, John? The great 1980s basketball player played a couple of years at NC State. Remember when Spud Webb and then a guy who played at Wake Forest, Muggsy Bogues, those two guys, little short fellows, or height challenged maybe, or height differentiated fellows of the NBA. Spud Webb was five foot six, and he was a very good NBA player. In fact, he won, I think, the dunk championship, the slam dunk deal they do each year at the All Star game. And Muggsy Bogues had quite a career in the NBA. And both of those gentlemen were well under six feet tall and did quite well in the association. Spud Webb, again, part of Jim Valvano's run as a head basketball coach at NC State back in the 80s and working into the 1990s. What if you're able to go to a game in Raleigh and learn about the traditions of NC State Well, as we said, you'll see on campus things like that 1937 bell tower that stands tall and represents the 35 names of alumni who died fighting in World War I. But you also have, in addition to that very obvious mark on the campus that signifies the sacrifice of NC State alumni, you have other items, including Carter-Finley Stadium. Carter-Finley Stadium, where you'll find NC State football games being held, is more than 60,000 seats strong. And it's right near the North Carolina State Fairgrounds, which, oddly enough, I mentioned earlier, I consider one of NC State's rivals to be the South Carolina Gamecocks. Those two teams used to play every single year, even after South Carolina had left the Atlantic Coast Conference as a member. They played all the way until the Gamecocks got into the SEC. But they they have a lot in common. They're both very football-centric schools that still get overshadowed, perhaps, by another school in that state. NC State's case, it's UNC. South Carolina gets overshadowed lots of times by Clemson because Clemson's really good at football and other sports, too. And those two teams will play on a regular basis, and both schools, in another odd twist, are located right by their respective state fairgrounds. And that's the case with Carter-Finley in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, yes, it is a very, very good place to see college football being played. And you have a lot of fans showing up there when toe meets leather across the college football landscape for – NC State football. Now, let me tell you about one of the other traditions, perhaps a more recent tradition, that NC State's kind of following the lead of some of those Texas schools. They got a hand sign, if you're a Wolfpack fan, and that hand sign is the sign of the wolf. Now, NC State's connection to a wolf goes all the way back to 1921, when an anonymous alumnus was upset that the behavior of some players on the football team was as unruly as a pack of wolves. And within a few weeks, both the NC State Alumni News and the student newspaper called The Technician 
began referring to the football team as the Wolf Pack. And for the sign of the wolf, the hand sign, no info that we could find of how it originated, but it looks very familiar if you want to do it to a pro wrestling type sign. Kind of like, I don't know, it looks like a wolf. Just put your fingers down, it looks like a wolf. Other traditions at NC State besides the sign of the wolf with your fingers, if you go to a game, they have the flag bearers that come out on the field at the start of a game. The rivalry with UNC, and I know UNC has a a victory bell rivalry with their friends in Durham, but that NC State-North Carolina game, which often is the last regular season game between these two schools, it's always a good, good game. And as a guy myself that loves football, I like to remind North Carolinians that football is kind of a big deal. Not just basketball, and not just when you have the UNCs and state getting together. It doesn't have to be just basketball that blood boils over. So, yes, the rivalry with UNC. They have a rivalry with Clemson. It's actually called, when they get together, it is called the, mm, trying to say it in a nice 21st century way. It's called the Textile Bowl. <laughs> That's these schools both have a these two schools, these two states both have that long history of the textile industry, which by the way, I should have mentioned is one of the famous alumni or perhaps infamous alumni of NC State is John Edwards, the guy that was once a senator for North Carolina, a guy who tried to be vice president, a guy who has disappeared. John Edwards is an NC State alumnus and I, I think a Cle- he started at Clemson but finished at NC State. But he grew up in a textile family, so that John Edwards' name pops up for some reason. Also, traditions for NC State, Mr. and Mrs. Wolf. They're one of the few schools that I have ever seen that have a male and a female wolf, or in this case, wolf, W-U-F, running along the sidelines on game day. Kind of cute, kind of kind of a neat thing. And another great tradition that NC State has is the Walk of Champions that happens before the ball games. Since they're in the Atlantic Division, the Wolfpack have a nice little in-state rivalry going on with Wake Forest. And if you know anything about the history of Wake Forest University, that school started right there outside of Raleigh in the com- community known as Wake Forest, which is in Wake County, which is where you'll find NC State in Raleigh. So that is a neat little thing between those two schools on Tobacco Road. And lastly... It just wouldn't be game day, and it just wouldn't be NC State if you didn't have Howling Cow ice cream. And NC State kind of getting in the ag school tradition, like Clemson has their own ice cream. Mississippi State has their own branded school ice cream made on campus with all their cows and more of the dairy program. And NC State has Howling Cow ice cream. So when you get back to Raleigh sometimes – Feel free to pig out on Howling Cow ice cream on a game day for the NC State Wolfpack. Again, the pack, today's stop on our 44-city tour across the southeast as we're telling you about the traditions and the famous alumni and game day events and walking you through the projections of these schools and what they're going to end up doing perhaps on the gridiron as I said in hour one, I fully expect NC State to get back to a bowl game this year. They were 8-4 and four in 2020, and Dave Doran, 
I surely believe with his quarterback that's got some experience behind his tenure now that they're going to be even better in 2021 and look for the pack to come out of the gate early this year and do quite well for 2021. Just to give you a quick update on our tour, we're on this 44-city tour. You're probably tired of hearing me say that. Today, NC State was our 24th stop on this tour. So we got 24 down, 20 to go. Next week on the Y'all Show, we're going to take you to Knoxville. The Tennessee Vols will be our spotlight school on Monday. The Miami Hurricanes on Tuesday. We're still in Tennessee on Wednesday as the Vanderbilt Commodores are our featured school. Thursday, we're going to take you out of the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 We're going to go to College Park. It's the Maryland Terrapins of the Big Ten, our spotlight school on Thursday. And then we're wrapping it up Friday with the Mississippi Land Sharks. They are our final stop on our tour next week across the south of college football. And then we're going to make our way up till September 3rd is our final stop. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's a good chance our last stop on our tour across the south is going to be your defending national champion team just saying just saying y'all talk with a southern accent we're kind of coming to an end here but we still have to tell you about some more headlines across the south we'll do just that after the break in the meantime more of the nc state wolfpack marching band go wolfpack just got a couple of minutes left here as we wrap up this third hour and our final show of the week and our final hour of the week i'm john rawl appreciating all of you tuning us in again if you miss any portion of y'all please go on to our podcast options all you gotta do is search for y'all show at the following podcast options we're on spotify we're on the iheart radio app the tune in app the stitcher app we're on the Apple Podcast app. Plus, we can find us at the Y'all Show app. Or really, it's not an app. It's a big old red and white button at y'all.com. Did you realize that Y'all is the South's homepage? And we're right there awaiting your free download. Just give us a spin if you don't mind. Wrapping up this hour with some headlines across the Southeast. This weekend in the state of Tennessee, did you realize it is Emancipation Day? 
as it was on August 8th of 1863 that slaves belonging to Andrew Johnson, who would become the nation's 17th president, they were freed. Now, again, as I have mentioned before on the show, I am a bit of a Civil War buff. I love history. I love the Civil War. I love the South. And we have a complicated history here in this part of the country. And so part of the reason I'm telling you about this Emancipation Day in Tennessee is we just had in June the recognition of Juneteenth as a national holiday, and that's when slaves in Texas, or specifically in Galveston, found out about emancipation. And in 1863, only these slaves of this guy named Andrew Johnson were freed. But Andrew Johnson was a unionist. Andrew Johnson had been a big political figure in Tennessee, and he was loyal to the union, and he freed his slaves. But he didn't do it till 1863. That's kind of crazy, don't you think? I get emotional talking about it. Andrew Johnson, who, again, would end up being Abraham Lincoln's vice president and would become the president after Lincoln was assassinated in 1865. The North Carolina-born Andrew Johnson purchased his first slave in 1843, 20 years before he freed his slaves. He purchased his first slave, Dolly, who was 14 years old at the time. He also purchased Dolly's half-brother, Sam back in 1843 and then Dolly had several children in 1857 Andrew Johnson purchased a slave called Henry who was only 13 years old at the time and again this guy was a unionist we we often hear for people who don't know much about history like to only think that it is a confederate thing but this guy was a unionist And we know that U.S. Grant also was a slave owner. Andrew Johnson freed his slaves on August 8, 1863. And this was when he had his place in Greenville. That's G-R-E-E-N-E-V-I-L-L-E. And way east Tennessee was where he lived. And they remained with him as paid servants after they became freed. A year later, Andrew Johnson, as military governor of Tennessee, proclaimed the freedom of Tennessee's slaves and that is, again, why this Saturday, Sunday, August 8th, is recognized in Tennessee, which was the last state to leave the Union and join the Confederacy, and the first state to rejoin the United States after the Civil War came to an end. Andrew Johnson, again, who would end up becoming the nation's 17th president, serving from 1865 to 69, a guy... Again, that was a unionist, was also a slave owner. How about that? And that is, again, part of our struggle here with history and reality and what, what this region and this country is all about. It's a, it's a very complicated web. And in many cases, as bad as it was that Andrew Johnson might have been a slave owner, to his credit, he freed his slaves before they were you know ruled to be freed by the Emancipation Proclamation or by the amendment that would make slavery outlawed in the country and that again this week this weekend specifically in tennessee you got what's called emancipation day there's some events going on across the state you might want to check it out if you're interested in attending some of these events in the volunteer state 
to Kentucky, and the Nicholasville, Kentucky Police Department has unveiled a really cool thing that's going to be hitting the streets around this community outside of Lexington. It's an ice cream truck, but it's actually been rebranded as Copsicle. It's a Copsicle truck that the Nicholasville, Kentucky Police Department is out along the streets with this new truck. According to Sergeant Kevin Grimes with the Nicholasville Police Department, the department received the truck two years ago from the military program. While they initially had other plans for the truck, COVID-19 put a hold on any updates, so the vehicle ended up sitting idle until a few weeks ago when they got the idea to rebrand it as a copsicle truck. And they're going to go around, I guess, and make kids happy with a lot of fun and more. And so if you're in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and you hear that, I don't know if this one's got that distinctive ring of an ice cream truck, but you can see the Operation Copsicle in motion. In fact, this weekend, they'll be at the Nicholasville Walmart. And something tells me they'll probably have some stuff they're giving away there on the Nicholasville Copsicle truck. And it should be another another reminder of how awesome our law enforcement is around the southeast. And they're doing that in a big way of showing you how awesome they are in communities like Nicholasville in central Kentucky. And lastly, in our headlines across the south today, Coca-Cola is changing the recipe of one of their popular drinks. And according to some, this could go way, way wrong. It looks like Coke Zero Sugar is going to change. The recipe is going to be changing for that. The last option should make Coke Shutter remind the company of its infamous period back in 1985 when they unveiled the new Coke. But yes, baby, do you like Coke Zero? I have kind of gotten accustomed to it, and I enjoy it. But yes, you have evidently a new recipe coming for Coke Zero. And are they going to turn off people like me who are perfectly okay drinking this drink that's it's it's not the same as drinking the the original if you will but it's not a bad choice and it's i'm sure very very healthy compared to the regular choice the original choice if you will coke zero the sugar held 21 percent of the u.s low calorie soda market in 2020 pepsi zero didn't crack the top five brands on the same list so Coke Zero is definitely with a big deal. Why, why are they doing this? I don't know. Well, what are they thinking there at Coke with a change here as, again, Coca-Cola, the Atlanta-based company, in a report is saying that they're changing the recipe of Coke Zero Sugar, one of its more popular drinks. And I have seen more and more restaurants add Coke Zero to the soda fountains within their establishment and it's very very delicious if the mixture is right i'm a snob about my soft drinks i bet you you are too and if the venue you're in doesn't do a good enough job of keeping those things clean and getting the the bags if you will refreshed on a timely basis there's nothing worse than a bad Coke or a bad drink. I was at a restaurant just the other day where someone with me ordered a Sprite. They butchered that. They ordered another drink. It was terrible. 
I don't even remember what they ended up settling on. Maybe sweet tea. Hard to mix, mess up the carbonation of tea. I'm, I'm joking, of course. But, yeah, Coke Zero perhaps getting a, an upgrade here or downgrade, depending on how it turns out. All you Coke Zero drinkers, be aware. The Y'all Show will conclude its incredible week of production right after the week. Stay tuned. Right after this break. Stay tuned. We're coming right back. Y'all, man, what a way to wrap up the week. Thank you for being a part of the fun. We're going to do it all again on Monday with a whole new week of great programming about the Southeast. Remember on our college football tour that we're on, we're going to be on Rocky Top on Monday as the Tennessee Vols are our spotlight school. Hope y'all have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget, you can always find podcast shows of the Y'all Show available for free download at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. I'm John Rawl. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy it. And we'll be right back here next week. Until that time, stay Southern, y'all.